Damn Love, an article published on the Daimler magazine, written by Christian Schultz. Isn't it paradox how more and more everyday things are now publicly considered inappropriate or even derided, but at the same time often very popular when judged by actual consumer behavior? Just think of traveling by plane, steaks on your barbecue, fireworks on New Year's Eve, or speaking about motors, sport utility vehicles, or SUVs for short. Why is this the case? And why is this class of vehicle criticized more often than any other? We wanted to know whether the criticism is justified. In case you were automatically thinking, there will never be an article on a Daimler website that demonizes the SUV. Congratulations, you're right. However, as a company that produces such vehicles, we feel obliged to get involved in the debate. In Germany, this debate really flared up last fall, and it still hasn't completely died down. This is demonstrated by the reports in the media, as well as by the Fridays for Future demonstrations, which are especially critical of private transportation. I think that the protesters have a right to be critical. Pluralism and freedom of expression are very important. Naturally, people are free to envision a world that doesn't contain any SUVs, and perhaps even one that doesn't contain any automobiles at all. That's also okay. However, we at Daimler don't share this view. On the contrary, we're convinced that self-determined private mobility will still be a necessity in the future. The SUV too will play a big role in this future, not because Daimler wishes it to, but because many customers want it that way. This is confirmed by the sales figures, which are rising, even though these vehicles are denounced by the media. In fact, SUVs are selling better than ever before. More than 1 million new SUVs were registered in Germany last year, making them one of the most popular model types. According to Germany's Federal Motor Transport Authority, almost one-third, 32.2% of all passenger cars sold in Germany are SUVs. In the United States, they even account for half of new vehicle registrations. Moreover, the fact that Mercedes-Benz was once again able to increase vehicle deliveries by 1.3% last year to 2.34 million units is in part due to the growth of the SUV segment, and in particular, to the success of the GLC and the GLE. According to a study conducted by the CAR Institute at the University of Duisburg-Essen, the SUV's market share could rise further next year to as high as 34%. Does that mean that all of these customers are selfish egomaniacs? Or do they perhaps have good and rational reasons for buying SUVs? In this article, we want to look at the facts to find out why people buy these vehicles. And we want to show what we're doing as an automaker is to ensure that future mobility is compatible with nature and the environment. No matter whether people are driving sedans, wagons, or SUVs. Fact 1. SUVs are simply automobiles. Although some people refer to SUVs as urban tanks, or monsters that barrel their way down narrow alleys in historical city centres, this depiction is pretty much a modern horror story. It doesn't reflect reality. An SUV is a normal passenger car. And this assessment is shared by Germany's Federal Motor Transport Authority. Granted, SUVs look a bit different from other cars, when viewed objectively. However, an SUV is nothing more or less than a slightly raised automobile that offers more recreational value. Its off-road capabilities are somewhat better, and it has more room than a coupe for transporting all sorts of stuff. Nonetheless, 
These vehicles are as suited for everyday use as a wagon or a compact car. But why does SUVs design cause many people to view the vehicle with hostility? Its detractors point to the vehicle size for one thing. But are SUVs really oversized? Although an SUV may look more massive due to its raised design, it's not any larger than most other vehicles. A Mercedes-Benz GLC, for example, is precisely 8 centimeters wider than a C-Class wagon, but it's also around 6 centimeters shorter. Most of the SUVs sold in Germany can be classified as compact vehicles. At Mercedes-Benz, these vehicles are the GLA, based on the A-Class, the GLB, based on the B-Class, and the aforementioned GLC, based on the C-Class. Of course, we also offer some larger variants. They offer more room, for families, for example. But they aren't more voluminous than a compact van, whose dimensions generally correspond to those of the Mercedes-Benz GLE, which can also be fitted with seven seats, by the way. The only difference is that many people view vans and minibuses more favourably. However, the drivers of such vehicles also use them more often to get to work or do their shopping than to go camping in the Jura Mountains. Fact 2. SUVs aren't more dangerous. It's also claimed that SUVs' size and design make them more dangerous for pedestrians than other vehicles, and that they do more damage in collisions. Some SUV opponents have cited accidents in which such vehicles were involved to bolster their arguments. There's no doubt that every accident is horrible, and one accident too many. I don't want to downplay this in any way. However, accident research should only be governed by objective arguments, not by subjective claims and feelings. In this context, it's worthwhile to take a closer look at the Euro NCAP studies. The Euro NCAP, European New Car Assessment Programme, is an organisation supported by various European transportation ministries, automobile federations and insurance associations. It conducts crash tests to measure and assess the active and passive safety of vehicles. Among other things, the organization's experts have found out that a vehicle's mass plays at most only a marginal role in accidents. No matter whether the vehicle in question is a smart 4-2 or an SUV, a higher front end such as that of an SUV or a van increases the risk of chest and head injuries. But according to the experts, accidents are especially life-threatening when people collide with the A-pillars, which are located on both sides of the windshield. These pillars are often much harder in small vehicles than in large ones, so that they can provide better occupant protection if the automobile should flip over. However, this greater hardness also increases the risk for pedestrians. If you look at the latest results, they show that a Mercedes G-Class, probably the epitome of off-road vehicles, has a pedestrian protection rating of 78%. By contrast, a small car from another manufacturer only achieved a rating of 47% in this test. According to the experts, large vehicles basically do not pose a bigger risk than small ones. An SUV isn't more dangerous than a Polo or a Smart, said the accident researcher Siegfried Brockmann from the German Insurance Association, in a statement to the German news agency DPA. This assessment is confirmed by figures from the German Federal Statistical Office. Large vehicles or SUVs caused only 3.7% of the 164,932 accidents in which people were injured or killed in residential areas in 2018, even though this class of vehicles accounts for 5.6% of the total number of automobiles in Germany. Moreover, large and small automobiles are responsible for about the same number of fatal accidents.
Fact 3. SUVs aren't big polluters. SUVs are also an abomination in the eyes of environmentalists, who consider them one of the main culprits when it comes to increased greenhouse gas emissions, and thus the acceleration of climate change. But are SUVs really rolling proof of an environmental aberration, as someone wrote recently? Are they really more harmful to the climate than other model series? In this case as well, the facts contradict these generalizations. The most common engine version of the Mercedes-Benz GLC, 220D, does not consume much more fuel in the WLTP measurement cycle than a Mercedes-Benz C-Class that is fitted with the same engine and equipment. Fuel-efficient engines are not restricted to certain vehicle types. They operate as efficiently in an SUV as in a wagon or a sedan. Of course, the laws of physics cannot be violated. As a result, heavier vehicles with more powerful engines emit more CO2. However, most of the SUVs that are bought and registered in Germany are mid-range and lower mid-range vehicles, whose weight and performance correspond to those of comparable sedans and wagons. By contrast, big off-road vehicles such as the Mercedes-Benz GLS and the Mercedes-Benz G-Class are niche and luxury products that only have a less important effect on the overall CO2 balance. Fact 4. SUVs are driven by people who are just like everyone else. In view of the steadily rising sales figures, you have to wonder who the buyers of these SUVs are. Are they only people with huge incomes or a big inheritance who want to own a status symbol? Or are SUVs exclusively for people who like to impress others? Or who wish to drive a big vehicle to compensate for their low self-esteem? Both of these claims are often made. However, recent studies have shown that the biggest group of SUV buyers consists of retired people. A representative study conducted by the price comparison portal Verifox discovered that such vehicles are most popular among people aged 60 to 79. The reasons for this are obvious. The SUV's raised design makes them easier to get into and provides drivers with a better overview. Both of these factors are greatly appreciated by elderly people. Families also like the SUV's spaciousness and versatility, which enable them to take all kinds of items along from baby carriages to skiing equipment. All of these people have one thing in common. They aren't generally regarded as aggressive horsepower junkies. This is also demonstrated by accident statistics. According to the Verivox study mentioned, owners of big SUVs and off-roaders cause 5% fewer accidents than car owners in general, and the owners of small and mid-size SUVs cause 21% fewer accidents. The facts thus clearly indicate that there is no justification for making sweeping criticisms of SUVs. Today's problems can't be solved by calling individual model series into question. Even if all SUVs were decommissioned overnight, the challenges that humanity faces would remain the same. How can we make mobility more sustainable in the future than it is today? How can we reconcile people's desire? for individual mobility with a need to conserve resources. At Daimler, we have of course thought a lot about these issues. In fact, the very first ideas addressing these questions already arose 135 years ago. People want individual mobility. When Gottlieb Daimler built the first automobile in 1886, he assumed that no more than 5,000 of these vehicles would be manufactured worldwide. This was because he believed there were too few chauffeurs to safely drive such horseless carriages on the roads. As we now know, the great inventor from Swabia 
was wrong on this point. It's estimated that there are 1.2 billion automobiles in the world today, and their number is steadily increasing. The desire for individual mobility hasn't changed. This is the case not only in well-established industrialized countries, but even more so in regions that have benefited from globalization and the associated economic upswing only in recent years. This list is topped by China, but it also includes countries such as India and Brazil. For the people of these countries, automobiles serve the same role as they have in Western Europe, Japan and North America for decades. They are a kind of personal declaration of independence. However, the automobile's huge success is also its biggest problem. Traffic density is steadily increasing in urban areas, with the consequence that many commuters spend more time in traffic jams than driving. It goes without saying that automobiles equipped with combustion engines also impact the environment, especially with regard to CO2 emissions. What can we do if more and more people want to enjoy the freedom of mobility that automobiles provide them with, despite the negative side effects? Should mankind restrict the use of automobiles, or even ban them? We at Daimler think that such an attitude is very one-sided, and maybe even arrogant, especially if such restrictions are to be imposed in countries where the people have only recently been able to enjoy driving their own automobiles. SUVs? Yes or no? Renunciation isn't progress. Add Daimler, we're convinced that a ban wouldn't permanently solve any of the problems of our time. Our company's history has taught that in the past, problems have been solved as a rule by means of research and development work. This was the case with the airbag, for example, as well as with the catalytic converter and assistance systems such as our adaptive cruise control, Distronic. Daimler registers more than 1,500 patents every year. They all aim to further enhance mobility. We're convinced that if you want to bring about change, Deeds are more important than words. No matter whether we're working on SUVs, sedans, wagons or compacts, our vision is to achieve accident-free and locally emission-free driving. It's irrelevant for the climate which vehicle segment contributes to emissions. The crucial thing is that emissions decline as a whole. To achieve this goal, we're already offering a variety of options for our vehicles, including those in the SUV segment. These options range from the GLC and GLE plug-in hybrid and the GLC F-Cell to the all-electric EQC. We want more than half of our automobile sales to consist of vehicles with electric drive systems as early as 2030. This goal is very ambitious, considering how long it often takes to develop and test new vehicles. The main methods for reducing the number of traffic jams and accidents in the future will be to make automobiles more intelligently connected to one another and to have autonomous functions steadily reduce driver stress. Daimler is extensively researching all of these methods, not only for cars, but also for trucks, vans and buses. Our company is also focusing on new mobility concepts that provide people in big cities in particular with an alternative to driving their own cars. Moderation, innovation and the middle way. This fact check has shown that the average SUV doesn't take up more space than a car and that it isn't more dangerous for road traffic or more harmful to the environment. Moreover, it doesn't figure prominently in accident statistics either. So why do some people demonize an entire vehicle class even though it obviously pleases its buyers, provides many advantages and therefore continues to be in big demand? 
There are clearly no logical reasons for this. We at Daimler particularly appreciate three things. Freedom, responsibility and facts. Customers are ultimately free to choose from a wide variety of mobility options. As a manufacturer, we in turn are responsible for offering sustainable products that thrill our customers. German government policies create the framework conditions for making this possible. This framework shouldn't be the result of ideology. Instead, it should be based on facts. Perhaps people shouldn't incline so much to extremes or turn them into absolute standards. It's not necessary to use an SUV to drive one's children to school every day, but it's also not necessary to demonize it or even to ban it. Automobiles didn't exist yet in the time of Aristotle, but he offered people an important piece of advice that still holds true today. Maintain moderation in all things. Maybe we should apply this in the SUV debate as well.